Recently, I was interviewed by telephone on an American radio program. Its host was a proud, self-styled liberal who begins every show with a recorded rant about the evils of conservatism and the menace of the Christian right. I was there to talk about the dangers of Islam in the West, and I tried to make the point that when it came to threatening the liberal values he presumably held so dear, many respected Muslims in America and Europe make even the most toxic members of the Christian right look like amateurs. But he wouldn't listen. I told him about the Euro-Islamic intellectual and liberal darling Tariq Ramadan, of whom he had never heard, who had refused to reject the Quranic punishment of stoning adulteresses to death. But the host did his best to talk over me and dismiss the whole topic. I began to describe how life in Amsterdam over the last decade has become hell for gay people because of predatory Muslim youth gangs who know that according to the teachings of Islam, homosexuals deserve to be killed. So don't go to Amsterdam, airily quipped the host, who himself is gay. Indeed, this man who routinely talks in apocalyptic terms about the perils of the Christian right dismissed categorically the notion that Islam might represent any kind of danger at all to anything he valued. Note well, he didn't have any counter-arguments. He didn't dispute my facts. He simply didn't want to hear the facts. After the interview, he made a sneering comment on the air to the effect that I'd been picking on a minority. Then he took a call from a listener, whom he plainly expected to agree with him, but who, to my surprise and gratitude, chewed him out for having refused to let me have my say. A few months earlier, I had gone to Washington, D.C. to speak about the same topic at a conference attended by State Department officials and foreign diplomats. This talk was far from the first I'd given about the subject. I had spoken to audiences around Europe, audiences of ordinary citizens who know what is going on around them, are concerned, and are receptive to my message. Not so, the diplomats in D.C. From the moment I began to talk, I sensed resistance. The Q&A session instantly became a ritual of mass denial. One diplomat after another stood up to denounce me. I felt just a tad like the defendant at a Stalinist show trial. My talk had consisted totally of unquestionable facts, events that had happened in the West over the previous year or two, which demonstrated that liberal values were being sold out in the name of multicultural sensitivity. But these diplomats sputtered with rage at me for having dared to recount these occurrences. They didn't deny the facts. They just didn't want to hear them. These are just anecdotes, one diplomat raged as his colleagues nodded, seething, it seemed, at reality itself. This was a room full of people, upon whose understanding of the world the safety and well-being of humankind depend. And yet their minds, like the mind of that radio interviewer, were quite simply closed to certain facts. They aren't alone. Today, millions of self-styled liberals have closed their minds to aspects of reality that challenge their ideology, an ideology that is, in fact, radically illiberal. There are, as it happens, certain home truths about the world today that are utterly inconsistent with what passes for 21st century American liberalism and that threaten the self-image of people for whom being liberal means, among other things, being an orthodox multiculturalist. And for all too many 21st century American liberals, alas, politics and self-image are intimately intertwined. Rather than endure a profound and disorienting ideological self-examination, 
many self-styled liberals have chosen to close their minds to plain facts, thus keeping intact their ideology, their self-image, and their self-satisfaction and contentment. This closed-mindedness is nothing less than terrifying.